A&E's Emmy-nominated groundbreaking docu-series Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, returns for season two on August 15th with 10 all-new episodes. Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, follows Leah Remini along with high-level former Scientology executives and church members as they delve deep into shocking stories of abuse, heartbreak, and harassment experienced by those who have left the church and spoken publicly about their experiences. This season, Leah Remini continues her quest to give a voice to victims of the Church of Scientology. The series also explores accounts of former members whose lives have been significantly impacted by the church's practices. Remini is helping people take action, turning survivors into fighters, and revealing truths and seeking justice. Watch the first episode of Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, online, on demand, or through the A&E app. Recorded live backstage, this is Geffen Playhouse, unscripted. Now, here's your host, John Horn. Hello, everybody. I'm John Horn, and welcome to Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Today, we're talking with Aaron Burr. More accurately, we're talking with Joshua Henry, who plays Aaron Burr in a show you might have heard of. It's called Hamilton. Stick around. Joshua Henry on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents when it happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn it, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Now back to Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. We're joined now by Joshua Henry. He's got a little show at the Pantages. Hamilton. Hi, hi, Hamilton. Yeah. Um, and that's about a tone that goes with a, uh, well, I don't know, what's the story? Obscure. We're still looking for funding. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's like in a small house trying yeah, to get some. It's a 99-seat theater. Uh, do some crowdfunding, maybe yeah. Kickstarter. We were 75% all the way there. And what's your goal? $5,000 by next Tuesday. No, I think you'll get there. I think you'll get there. And that's one ticket. <laughs> yeah, but we're we're not going to talk about yeah. ticket prices yet. You're not going to start there because I got a, I got kids going to college. It's either they go to college or I go see Hamilton. So, you sorry, choose. Charles and Henry. Looks like City College for you guys. I'm going to go see this play. You are at what point in the run now? How many weeks in? How many months in? Can you measure it? For me, how do you um, measure a life? How many? Oh, come on. Let's talk about it. Love, baby. I'm about a year in. So I I started actually in Chicago. Um, I, I opened the Chicago company there, which is a sit-down company. Then San Francisco, we just came from, did about five months there. And we just did a couple of performance of previews, and we're going to open this coming Wednesday. In front of, what, 2,700 of your close personal friends? 2,700, yes. And, and I can't I, – I, our first performance was insane. The, the energy, when I come out, um, I've never experienced that much energy from an audience Ever, ever. Any show you've ever done. I just sang at the Golden State Warriors NBA Finals game. The last game. How'd they, they do? They, they do okay uh, in that They game? won. Yeah, okay. they, they, they did all right. They did all right. But even, I, honestly, this 2,700-seat house, I have never, I felt my heart beating. I felt like I was like a freshman in, in college again on stage. Like, I, 
nothing can prepare you for that type of energy that this L.A. audience gave us that night. I got to stop and go back to the Warriors because singing at that game mm -hmm. in that house. I mean, listen, musical theater is great. Broadway is great. But that's got to be the phone call where you just say, how quickly can I say yes that I don't scare them? Right, right. I, it was, um, I mean, as a, as a basketball fan, it was everything. Um, seeing LeBron James up close, you know, in rehearsal uh, was, it was intense. I also really got, I got to be able to um, do the arrangement too, which is a really cool thing. So the trust that they put in me to do that, I was like, I, I went home that night and I had it done in like half an hour. But P. Diddy was like right there afterwards and Snoop Dogg next to him. And they were like, hey man, good job, good job, man. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it was, it was, it was wild. You got to make sure those guys come to Broadway because I suspect, you know, they're finding a way to go see Violet or Shuffle Along. It's going to be hard. <laughs> but again, they know you. They know your work. They're going to find you one way or the other. I hope so. <laughs> I want to I want to ask you, I want to go back in time a little bit, because I think there is in every artist's life story or artistic journey, a person who throws a switch. And sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes it's a teacher. Sometimes it's a friend. I want to ask you about your chorus teacher in high school and what she oh, meant God. to you. And why she would probably be the happiest person to know what you're doing right now. Her name is Birgit Fioravante. And she is the reason that I'm talking to you right now. Uh, my junior year in high school, um, I was in the, a choir class with her. And, and then we did a production of The Music Man where I played Harold Hill. Uh, after we did that production, which was the first production my little private school had ever done she came to me and she was crying and she took me aside and was like you know you can do this for a living and i literally said do what i had no idea that you could sing and dance <laughs> and act for a living i mean i, I knew film until television actors but stage work i didn't know that that was like a thing that people did um consistently uh so i she had me audition for the university of miami uh, which was the only school I auditioned for, which probably wasn't the best idea, but thankfully it worked out. It worked out okay. And as of that first day uh, when I was a freshman in that conservatory, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I just became obsessed with everything, music, dance, and theater. And it was all because Birgit um, took the time and, and she gave me free voice lessons. I mean, she really believed in me and she she pushed me to uh to to find this thing that i even didn't even know that i was that i had she saw something in you that you hadn't recognized that's right that's right and to go out on the limb and say that to a student is is dangerous because if you say it too many times and it doesn't work your batting average and your credibility go down a little bit right and she was scared and she she talked to my parents about it and she was like i don't know if i should say this but i feel really strongly about it um, I talked to her very recently now. Fast. Has she seen you do your show? She, uh, not this show, but she, uh, I invited her to come out here to L.A., and I think she's going to come out and see this at the Pantages. So uh, fast forward to a couple weeks ago, uh, the L.A. Times did, did a story on me, and they wanted to speak to her. And so that was a really full circle moment to have her be able to talk about that experience. And now she's like, whew. I was right, and they paid off. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing, you know, thankfully well for the last um, 10 years, but uh, this is definitely a, a place where she can look back and say, I knew, I knew what I was talking about. 
I know I thought saw something special. So people who have seen you, either in Hamilton or Violet or Shuffle Along or American Idiot, which are the plays that I've seen you in, know that you can sing. But one of the things that I'm wondering about yourself is when did you know you could sing or that you had a gift, that there was something that you could do on stage where you immediately recognized that there was something working on a very deep level? Hmm. Well, uh, I got to take it back to the church now. Uh, I started singing in church. Um, so that's when I, all my musical talents, I, I really honed there. But I would say the first time that I really knew that I had, uh, you know, something really significant to contribute musically was uh, being in the Heights. Um, you know, I knew I could sing and I knew, and I, Loved acting and I loved dancing, but when I got to In the Heights and was in uh, that ensemble, that's when I really felt like the possibilities were endless. For me, that was the pinnacle, just being in the ensemble there. And I never will forget that experience. Um, the feeling of uh, actors, artists, being surrounded by artists, telling a story, giving it their all. I mean, singing and dancing like there was no tomorrow. That's when I felt like, okay, I, I've reached this milestone, but this is bigger than me. Like I have, uh, I have a lot to say. And I found that out being in that ensemble. Um, so I got to say In the Heights was, yeah. For people who don't know musical theater, well, In the Heights had a guy work on it. You might've heard of him, Lin-Manuel Miranda. So you do the show with Lin-Manuel in the Heights. Mm -hmm. I assume it's pretty successful. A couple years later, he does this other play called Hamilton. What happens? Why aren't you in the first show? Do you uh, try out? Are you uh, on when it opens on Broadway? Does Lin Manuel forget? <laughs> well, first, I don't think Lin Manuel forgets anything. He can like quote a lyric from a, a theater show in 1920, and then fast forward to do some KRS One or Chance the Rapper. Like he can quote anything, so he doesn't forget. Um, but I actually did the workshop of Hamilton. Um, before it went to the public. And at that time I was doing a King George, Hercules Mulligan split track. <laughs> um, and then it went, went to Broadway. Um, I, you know, things just happened and, you know, th there were another, other actors that got to do the piece, which is a great thing. Um, but the great thing is after, well, here's how it came about. I was in shuffle along and I talked to Tommy Kale, the director, while I was doing that. And I, I was not shy about saying, expressing my love for Hamilton. Uh, I think it's an incredible album, it's, and it's my favorite show I've ever seen. And I was talking to Tommy about that, and I just, we, I said, look, if the stars ever aligned to be in that show, that would be incredible. And then, a couple, <laughs> about a month later, Shuffle Along announced its closing. And shortly after that, we started having conversations about being in it. So um, it's funny how you can start with a piece early on and, you know, sometimes your journey just takes you away from it. But thankfully, this creative team, I'd work with them several different times. And, you know, they uh, it really is like family with them, starting within the Heights. I want to ask you about Shuffle Along because Shuffle Along is, to me, a great story about what can happen to a great play through no fault of anybody's. And that is that Audra McDonald, in the middle of the run, uh, let's just say she got a bun in the oven, right? She got, she was <laughs> pregnant. And yeah. 
they tried to recast the part. Tell me when I get it wrong. And the ticket sales without Audra were not good enough to to justify the run. Is that basically the story they're telling? Well, that that is one story that that was okay. told. I, I don't think I fully understand it, but that was definitely something that was going on. Um, so, so to be perfectly honest, I don't have the full explanation, but that certainly had an effect on on us on us moving forward. Um, and it was really sad because it was an incredible show, uh, and you know sales were doing uh, up until the time when we announced we were going to close. It was doing really well. We had I forget how many Tony nominations. People absolutely loved the show, um, and sometimes shows just don't last that long for for whatever reason. My first experience with that was doing Scottsboro Boys, where every you know, it, it was. An incredible artistic achievement, and we only lasted like two months. Wow! <laughs> you know, then it goes on regionally and does incredible things. It goes to London and wins a bunch of awards. But Shuffle Along for me still remains. I mean, working with Audra, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Billy, um, Billy Porter, who are just huge inspirations of mine. Uh, I will never forget that experience. Uh, telling that story about the first African-American musical. Um, <laughs> it's still recent. I still feel like I haven't fully unpacked how that went down. Um, but the experience itself is one I won't forget. No, you, I just hearing you talk about it gave me goosebumps. And it's, to me, one of those things that is so odd about the way in which things do and do not work. This is a show that was beloved. It mm -hmm. had great reviews. It wasn't like Moose Murders. It wasn't a play where everybody said, this has got to close and it's got to close soon. It's a play that everybody recognizes is working. The people on the stage, the people in the house, the critics, and yet it's gone before a lot of people get a chance to experience an incredibly beautiful show that's not only a beautiful show, but about a seminal moment in theater history. Right. That in many ways is kind of the story that sets up Hamilton so many decades later. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, uh, if it wasn't for a show like that, there wouldn't be Hamilton. There really wouldn't. Um, or Hamilton would have had to come many, many, many years later. Um, it, was, it was great to be going through in the same season with Hamilton because I'm, I'm really close to a lot of the actors in that cast um, or in that original cast. And we both knew it was a very special moment on Broadway. I think it was the same season as um, The Color Purple. Um, you know, there were a lot of shows that uh, shows that had a lot of actors of color in them, which is a very rare moment. And I think that season will be talked about for a very long time. <laughs> and we'll see what happens after this, after that season. I want to ask you about what you get as an actor opposite somebody who is giving as much as you're giving. And I'm going to ask you about Sutton Foster and Violet, who Ooh. is an incredible actor. She's a great singer, a really good dancer, but as an actor, somebody who is laying it on the line every night in a show like Violet. When you are acting, and then you might have other examples, but this is a play that meant a lot to me and I thought it was beautifully done and you had some great scenes together. What is that like as a performer when you're on stage with somebody who is at that level? And what is, does the does the house fade away? How what happens in terms of the experience on stage when you're opposite somebody who is doing what Sutton Foster or Audra McDonald or anybody else is doing on a high level? Well, to talk about Sutton Foster, this is someone that I had 
been a huge fan of when I was in in school at the University of Miami. So to perform with her was an incredible honor. When we were performing the scenes on stage, I, it took me a while to like shake off the fact that you you know I'm I'm doing this with a with someone that I respect so much. But she really does give her absolute all to it. Um, and and I that moment of her doing Violet was a, a, a redefining moment for her as well. So not only was it you know is she who she is as a, as a very dedicated um, artist, but taking a chance, taking a risk in her career. And that's what made it so special for me because um, that's what I want to do. It was such a huge moment for me to be working with her. I don't want to ever be in a place where I am just seen as one thing. Um, I think as artists, we want to be able to just flex. You know, you, we want to keep pushing the boundaries and, and, and redefining ourselves. And that's what she was doing when we did Violet. Um, and she, aside from, aside from her insane triple threat artistry, she's an incredibly generous performer. Um, and she's a really caring person. Uh, and I got to know her pretty well during that run. <laughs> we both got dogs during that run. They used to play together in the theater between shows. Um, so that, that experience was one that I'll, I'll never forget, you know, and you talked about Audra, who I was fortunate enough to work for a second time with work with for a second time in a shuffle along it's it's when you're working with people like that it really is you just take your your pen and pad out mentally um in rehearsal you know the scenes that i wasn't in i was just watching her because this is someone that's just been at the top of their game and the thing with someone like audra is she has such an incredible sense of of the entire piece not just what she has to do in her scenes um, and her character and the situation that she's in, but of the the entire time period of the world, you know, and, you know, those are all acting basics, but the depth of <laughs> the depth to which you'll go to have that full understanding is something that I didn't, I just was not familiar with. And so she, she took me that working with her took my craft to a whole nother level. I mean, what you're talking about is kind of a master class in acting where you're not just in the seats in front of a teacher, you're in the classroom doing the work in a lab setting. It's like one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, it's like those, those master classes <laughs> that everyone's given now. Um, it was one-on-one it was -on -one and, and, and not just the stage stuff, but what it takes to be an artist like that eight times a week, Right. Um, how you take care of your body, how you take care of your voice. You know, I saw those things firsthand with Sutton and Audra, who, you know, Audra's got uh, three kids, I think, well, four kids now. Um, and Sutton had so many things going on at that time. So really seeing how they lived their day-to-day -day lives was had a huge impact on me. When you are doing a show like Violet that has what we'll call a signature solo, Let It Sing, and if you haven't listened to Let It Sing, everybody's listening, stop the po podcast, Mark where you are, listen to Let It Sing from Violet, because it's an amazing song. How much of you in the show, it's like a tiny bit of you, it's like it's 10 minutes away, it's eight minutes away, it's coming up. <laughs> are you able to think about a signature song like that before you get there, or do you just have to tune that out? You, you do your best to <laughs> tune it out. you know you're cheating. You know, you know you're looking at it. You know, it's like turning a corner after running a... 400 meter dash like you know when there's 100 yards left and you see the finish line and it's right there for me that song is everything 
you know, it's it's what I, I, I believe every word in that song. I also, um, you know, doing, you talk about the audience disappearing. That was one of those moments where as soon as I started that song, raise your foot, now that's the way, and the drums, I was in a different place. Like I wasn't in that, in the American Airlines theater anymore because it was a moment that aligned, you know, what I really believe with um, an incredible groove, um, an incredible, uh, and the style that I sing, you know, gospel, R&B. So it was just a a lot of different combinations that made that song for me so uh, monumental. And I sing that song, you know, I do concerts outside of, you know, being in musicals, but that's, I pretty much always sing that song because I, I love what it talks about and that uh, we all have uh, an individual voice and something unique to contribute. Um, it's, that song is like, it's like flying, singing that song. Do you think there is a coincidence that if you look at some of the shows you've done recently, I'm thinking of Violet, I think of Shuffle Along, certainly of Hamilton, that you have great parts in these shows. They're great shows, but they also have some unifying themes. And that is that you have to believe in yourself. You have to do something bold. You have to take a risk. If you want to change the world, you can't be a spectator. You have mm-hmm. to be a participant. And you have to do the things that you think are important to you and important to the people who are going to follow in your footsteps. Do I think there's a coincidence? You know, I've actually... <laughs> it's really interesting you say that because those are things that I believe. Those are things I really believe. And I and I put out into the world and I, I've prayed for opportunities like this to save those things that you just said things that like you do have to be bold and saying what you want and being understanding who you are um and yeah these musicals they talk about those things specifically uh those themes are so important to me um themes about being who you are unapologetically um but realizing that you have something significant and unique to contribute that only you can you can give um though that's what i want people to know i mean that's that's i think that's one of the most important things and if we can recognize those things in each other um how what how much more cohesive and better and more loving of a country and and world we can have so yeah i'm so proud to be to have those musicals with those very special messages at the forefront of them. We're talking with Joshua. We're talking with Joshua Henry on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. He's got a little show called Hamilton at the Pantages <laughs> in which he plays Aaron Burr. Actors who come on this show talk about the different things that different mediums get them in terms of film, television, theater. Do you think there is something unique about social impact, about seeing the world in a different way, about looking at the people sitting next to you that theater can do that maybe film and television doesn't do there's something about the immediacy of the exchange that you think can affect people in a different way than something as passive or as distant as film and television can't yeah i mean i think seeing something live makes it so much more personal um when you're breathing the same air as someone that's telling a story and in some cases if you're in the front row literally feeling their sweat (laughs) it makes it so much more real i mean you're talking about being 10 feet away from, from the actor that's telling the story. And I think you see them, uh, you see a person processing emotions unfiltered and living life and telling a story 
in real time. And you, when they gasp, you gasp. When they cry, your your eyes well up if it's if it's a truthful moment. And that's the beauty of of live um, and live theater. And I don't think that uh, I mean you can't. That's why I, I love it so much. That's why every performance is different because I might come into the theater feeling a certain way and just tinge the the performance a little differently. And the audience also has a big say on how the story is told. So, yeah, I think that's what makes it more um, or so much uh, rich, so rich and so uh, impactful. When you do the next show of Hamilton, it will be in the immediate wake of what happened in Charlottesville. And that is where a group of incredibly racist, nationalist, neo-Nazis, maybe even real Nazis, marched to present a, an imagined history of this country and an imagined vision of what they want this country to be. When you're doing a show like Hamilton that has an alternative, truthful history of what this country can be and what it should be, do you think the resonance of a play like Hamilton changes given what happens in the hours and days before somebody walks into the Pantages and sees it? Absolutely. You know, it was hard for me to sleep that night um, when these events unfolded in Charlottesville. And um, I, even in the morning, I woke up and I, you know, I was on my phone on Twitter and I, I had to put it down and I had to rest in the fact that what I was going to do that night, that's my love weapon, so to speak. That's my contribution, you know, to this, these horrible events happening. And, you know, that I, I'm, I'm so grateful to be in a piece that talks about um, what our country really is. You know, there's a song called Dear, Dear Theodosia where, you know, my character Aaron Burr and um, Hamilton are singing about a dream that they have for their newborn child. And a couple of the lyrics are, We'll bleed and fight for you. We'll make it right for you. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. We'll give the world to you, and you'll blow us all away. And I remember when that, when I heard those events happening, that next show, I had to fight not to get choked up during that moment in the song because how many people have those dreams? How many people have that dream of just having their child born into a place where regardless of, you know, what color they are, um what orientation they are they have that they can they have the same shot and opportunity as everyone else and not to feel and they don't have to feel unsafe or you know pushed against um so doing this musical in the wake of that i mean i after that show i came back to my dressing room and i had to take a good minute and just i mean i get i'm a little it gets me just thinking about it right now, but I was just like, thank God that I have this opportunity to to share this alternate vision of uh, this, this I think, very truthful vision of, of, of who we are as a country. And who we are is uh, many people from diverse backgrounds and creeds, you know, but when all together, you know, we want the same things. Um, and for anyone to come against that and, and say, oh, well, this, we need, this people deserves it more than this people, or I just don't think is, uh, is, is right. So I'm glad to be, to be, to have Hamilton to, to really push that message of acceptance 
and, and love and compassion. There are a lot of ways that people can look at Hamilton. I mean, there's the way that a traditional person has the traditional view they have of theater, musical theater on Broadway, that they think it's Man of La Mancha, and it's not. <laughs> they could look at Hamilton and say, I didn't know that musical forms that I'm familiar with could be incorporated in a new way in this theater that I haven't set foot in. They could look at it as a story about American history that they didn't appreciate and they didn't know. They could talk about the things that you've talked about, about its modern resonance. And there's another way that people can look at it. And that is there can be a 10-year-old black kid who has never seen a person who looks like him or her on stage performing in front of a sold out audience and say to his mom or her father, that could be me. That could be the person that I become because I see it being done. That there's a way that a show like Hamilton can model a future for certain people who have never seen their future on stage before. I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. That's, uh, the, the idea that, you know, some kid, some little child can see me on stage, someone that looks like them and, and think to themselves, oh, look what's possible. Look what, uh, or I am, I am important, or I have something, I can contribute to something bigger than myself. Um, and that starts with just seeing yourself on stage. So many kids at the stage door where their parents come and, um, their parents, after I signed their programs, their parents are just in tears saying that they don't even understand what this means to them right now. But I brought them here because I wanted them to see someone that looks like you in excellence and shining and in confidence. You know, um, that for me is is the the that's what makes it feel like to me like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Like this is my purpose right now. Um, this musical represents all of us, you know, on that stage, we have, you know, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. Um, and that's the beautiful, that's the beauty in it is that we can all see ourselves shining together, telling this story, um, about leaving a legacy and, but we're doing it all together. That's the beautiful thing about it. I mean, one of the beautiful things about it, but the fact that everyone is represented and that I can be that shining light for a little boy or girl who, you know, not saying they're going to be on Broadway one day, but wherever they go, if it's into finance, if it's into, if they're a doctor, they can just know that, hey, I saw that. I saw me shining. I can do that. I saw me, I saw myself. I saw myself up there. I can do something great too. Where did you see yourself? Because you were growing up well before Hamilton when you didn't see people who look like you on stage. You know, my first memories of, of that were uh, in music. You know, I, I remember listening to Stevie Wonder, you know, listening to uh, Marvin Gaye and, and being like, wow. But there's something different when you, when you see it. And the first time I remember that that was honestly, and I just talked about it recently was um, one of the first times I actually saw it was in Wicked. Um, Tay Diggs was playing Fierro. This is in 2003, I believe. And I have, you know, we all have our audition books, you know, going to musical theater school. And I, 
you know, I have your, your Run and Tell That, you know, from Hairspray or Old Man River from Showboat and all these songs that like that we were told we were supposed to have. And then here's Tay Diggs singing Dancing Through Life. And I had to rethink so much after seeing that performance. It was like I had just been on I, – I just – my whole world got spun around. And it made me rethink what I want to be in this business and what's possible. Um, so that's the first time I saw it. The first time I experienced it, you know, that's the first time I feel like I saw myself on stage. First time I experienced it was being in In the Heights, getting to play the role of Benny. Um, that for me was like, oh, I can sound exactly the way that I sound. I can say the things exactly the way that I say them. And that, you know, when is that happening? You know, I've, I had never experienced that before and I didn't know shows that, there were no shows written to my knowledge at that time that would allow someone like me to do that. So um, yeah, those were my, those are the first times I thought about those things. And what does Hamilton give you after it's behind you in terms of what it means to your career, what it means to you personally? I mean, this is, talk about being in the right place at the right time, but looking past it, where, how is it gonna change you as a person and as an actor, do you think? Well, I think as a as an actor, uh, it's one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Um, a year into doing it, it is still challenging me, um, and that's what I want. That's what I've always wanted as a as a performer to be constantly challenged as a person, but also as a as a performer. So it's going to affect everything that I take from from here on in. That you know, I I I want to do roles that are very meaty, that, uh, that really say something, that really um, challenge me and, and that I really believe in. You know, not every role is gonna be something that, a person, that aligns with what you, who you are, but you know, it's, look, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to match this experience going forward. But um, yeah, it's given me a confidence in my abilities as a performer as a as a as an actor and as a singer and and as a dancer thank you andy blankenpuller um uh and stephanie clemens um as a person um i think it's it's really made me think about my more about my contribution to the world you know i don't how it's made me want to be more giving it's made me want to be to empathize more um it's made me want to you know mentor mentor more um and that's something that i've recently got into which is it's an incredible thing um and i've had some incredible some amazing mentors in my life <laughs> michael mccarroy being one of them who was the original flick in violet off broadway but yeah it's it's changed me as a person and um you know, I somehow I got involved with Hamilton, and and now I'm. <laughs> am I really going to quote Wicked now? <laughs> I don't know, uh, but uh, What's I your have been changed for good. Okay, you know? yeah. but I guess if you say to your next project, it's no Hamilton, you could go a long time between jobs. <laughs> well, look, yeah, I mean, I can't be. I'm not going to be searching for the next Hamilton. I get it. for sure. I'm not going to, but um, yeah. Joshua Henry, thanks so much for coming on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. We'll see you at the Pantages if you can sneak me in. <laughs> awesome. Nice you know to people. talk to you. <laughs> thanks again. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted.
In order to feel comfortable that you're getting a fair price, you need pricing context, information that empowers you to feel confident. With True Car, you'll see what other people in your local market paid for the car that you want. And from there, you can connect with a local True Car certified dealer and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the car you want, and True Car will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is and you can feel confident. Once you register, you'll see real pricing on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a True Car certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing that you'll see before going to a dealership, so you can feel confident when you show up. And with True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing, so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. True Car customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with their True Car certified dealers, and True Car users save an average of more than $3,000 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. That was Joshua Henry from Hamilton on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. If you want to hear some past episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at podcastone.com. You can also find Geffen Playhouse Unscripted at Apple Podcasts. And remember, don't forget to rate, review, and share. I'm John Horn. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Download new episodes every Wednesday at podcastone.com, on the Podcast One app, or subscribe at iTunes.